Tell you what, I think it's pretty awesome when your uh, worship pastor, when his family can be your worship team. They are so talented. Can we just again let them know how much we appreciate the gift that they have given us this morning? Amen. Again, thank you for joining us this morning. I'm going to be very brief because I know that you have family activities and meals and all of those kind of things that you have planned for today. But I do want to remind you that beginning on January the 8th, we begin a season 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have a few of these fasting guides left out at the VIP booth. So if you didn't get one last week, you can pick one up today. And then we'll also have some more available next Sunday. And I want as many of you who can to join us during this 21 days of prayer and fasting and we're believing God for 
some really incredible things. You know, when I think about the scriptures and what the Word of God has to say about this day that we're celebrating, Christmas, and I think about which story sums up Christmas best, or which scripture sums up Christmas best. Some people would say, well, it's got to be in Isaiah chapter 9. It said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Others would say, no, that the scripture that sums it up best would probably be Matthew's account of Christmas or Luke's account of Christmas because those are the two gospel writers that give us details about the Christmas story. But there's a passage of scripture and you wouldn't expect to find it here, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And I think that this passage of scripture sums up Christmas better than any passage of scripture in the Bible. And what's interesting is this passage of scripture is in the context of the thought of the scriptures preceding it. It's a passage about giving. And I think that's appropriate because Christmas is all about giving. It's about when God gave his best to us. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Apostle Paul tells us this in the context of giving. He said, you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Now here's the Christmas story. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. That is Christmas. But I want us to just kind of take a few minutes here and just break down this passage of Scripture so that we can understand the full meaning of Christmas. Because the first thing that this passage tells us is that Jesus was rich, which leads us to ask the question, well, how rich was he? Paul said it this way. He said he was very rich. Jesus was very rich. First of all, he was rich in his person. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, you've heard me mention that name a lot over the last few weeks as we've been in our Advent series. He said, you'll call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So that when I say that he was rich in his person, he was rich in who he was. He was more than just a man. He was more than just a human being. He was God. And he is God. The Bible tells us in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say, the Word became flesh. That's Christmas. 
and dwelt among us. He was rich in his person. Isaiah 9 and 6, the passage I shared with you just a moment ago, says this, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Now you know what the prophet is saying there, don't you? The prophet is saying this, For a child is born to us, that speaks of the humanity of Christ. That he came into this world the way that you and I come into this world. He was birthed into this world. But he was more than just a child who was born. He is a son who was given. The son of the living God. That speaks of his divinity. A child is born. A son is given. And the government will rest on his shoulders and these will be his royal titles. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. So yes, he was rich in his person. He was rich in who he was. He was and he is. And he always will be God. But he was also rich in his position. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, he who is the blessed and only sovereign. Here's his position. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. That's who he is. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19, 16 says that he had on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So he was rich in his person. He was God. He was rich in his position. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. But he was also rich in power. Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 32, 17, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. How? By your great power. And then I love this last statement. Nothing is too hard for you. That's a mighty God. That's somebody who has some amazing, miraculous power. Nothing is too hard for him. Now think about that this morning. That means no matter what you're facing today. That means no matter what it is that's trying to stress you out this morning. No matter what you're dealing with relationally. No matter what you're dealing with spiritually or financially or occupationally. It's not bigger than the God that you serve. Nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for him. Hey, I can't even put together my grandson's little car without instructions and directions. And then I still struggle. And what you think would be the easiest thing in assembling that little car, just putting the little stickers on the side of it, got me so frustrated. And I almost just gave up and said, his dad can do the rest of this. Isn't it amazing how hard some things are for us? But nothing, nothing is too hard for God. That's comforting this morning. So he was rich in his person. He was rich in his position. He was rich in his power. He was rich in his possessions. 
Listen to what the word of the Lord said in Exodus 19 and 5. For all the earth is mine. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 10, 14, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also, the earth and all that is in it. He is rich in his possessions. Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And then Haggai reminds us in Haggai 2 and 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. He is rich in his possessions. He is the owner of all things because he is the creator of all things. So Paul reminds us that he was very rich but the second thing that he tells us is that he became poor which leads us to ask the question well how poor did he become well he became poor in his person Paul said in Philippians 2 and 7 that he made himself nothing he took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. Now think about that. God became poor in his person because he became a human being. He became flesh. He became a man. But not only was he poor in his person, he also became poor in his position. Because the Bible tells us that he made himself nothing and he took the humble position of a slave. Now perhaps a better word there would be servant. Because even Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, became poor in his position in that he became a servant of man. He also became poor in power. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, now hold on just a minute, Pastor. Jesus has never, God has never been poor in power. And you're right. I don't mean that he was powerless. The Bible says that he humbled himself. He obediently humbled himself. Now, when I say that he became poor in power, what do I mean? I mean that he as a man submitted his will to the will of the Father. And even in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The scriptures tell us, in John chapter 5, verse 19, that most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. He, as a man, submitted his will to the will of the Father. And he said, I'm here to please the one who sent me. So he became poor in person. He became poor in his position. He became poor in his power. And yes, he also became poor in possessions. 
because Jesus said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to even lay his head and so in summing up the message of Christmas Paul says this he said that he who was rich in person in position in power in possessions he became poor in person in position in power and possessions and then he tells us why here's the message of Christmas so that you and I could be rich so that you and I could be prosperous what a Christmas gift that God has given us this day notice what the scripture says it says that we now you and I we are rich in person the scripture tells us in John 1 and 12 but to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God listen to me this morning Summerton Church of God you are rich in who you are you are rich in your person you are sons and daughters of God because of Jesus oh you ought to thank him for that this morning amen we were once separated from God we were once alienated from God we were once enemies of God but now I love those two words right there but now we are sons and we are daughters we've been adopted by our Heavenly Father so we are rich in person we are rich in position first Peter 2 and 9 says you are a chosen generation chosen by God himself you are priests of the King you are holy and pure you are God's very own he has elevated us to a position of priests he has elevated us to a position of holy God's very own so we are rich in person we are rich in position and yes we are rich in power now in and of ourselves we're nothing in and of ourselves like I just said I can't even put together a little car hardly for my grandson but grace you do understand what grace is don't you some people think that grace is a license to sin because later I can repent and get forgiveness that's not grace grace is not a license to sin grace is the power God gives you to say no to sin you can't do it in by, by yourself Bible even says that God will not allow a man to be tempted above that which he is able to bear but with the temptation he will provide a way of escape and not only does he provide a way but he provides the power it's his grace that helps us do what we could never do in and of ourselves Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses and then Jesus himself said see I've given you authority authority means that we can activate the power of God and he said see I have given you authority to do what to tread on snakes and scorpions now he's not literally talking about snakes and scorpions okay so let's not bring a box next week 
doesn't know what he's talking about. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about our enemy. And he said, I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. And I love this. And over all the power of the enemy. Did, did you hear what I just said, Summoned in Church of God? That he's given us as his children authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will by any means be able to hurt you or harm you. All power in heaven, that power has been released for us. We've been given authority to activate that power. Now it's up to us whether we do that or not. I choose to walk in my authority. I choose to speak the name of Jesus over my difficult circumstances and situations. I'm not, listen to me, Summit and Church of God, I'm not going to let the devil run over me. Oh, somebody should have got a little bit more excited about that than what you just did. I am not going to let the devil run over me, not in 2016 and not going into 2017. I'm not going to let him have any authority or power over my life. I'm not opening any doors to the enemy. I'm walking in the authority that God has given me as a son of his. And then look at this. We are also rich in possessions. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and minds and tells us that we are God's children. Can you hear him speaking to you today? That you are God's child. And since we are his children, check it out, we will share his treasures for everything that God gives to his son Christ is ours too. Everything. Because we're not just heirs of God, we're also joint heirs of Christ. That means if it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to us. Because we're also sons and daughters of God. So whatever we need, it's available to us as children of God. So the Christmas story this morning, he who was rich in his person, position, possessions, and power, became poor in his person, position, possession, and power, so that you and I could become rich in our person, our position, our power, our possession. And I think we ought to take a little praise break right here and thank God for what he's given us and made available to us. Come on, let's stand up on our feet this morning and let's give God some praise, a standing ovation. He's the one who's made this possible.
Testament when the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert and they were hungry God provided them bread from heaven he referred to it as manna now when you go into the New Testament Jesus is described as the manna or the bread that has been sent down from heaven what does bread do? Bread strengthens us. Bread nourishes us. It grows us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break it? And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, take and eat. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Broken so that you could be whole broken so that you could be strengthened broken so that you could be nourished broken so that you could grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ together let's take the bread in remembrance of him thank you Jesus would you just take a moment now and just thank him for what that bread represents to you. Think about all that he suffered in his physical body. Being mocked, slapped, beaten, whipped. The Bible says that by his stripes we were healed. And he was bruised for our transgressions. But by his stripes, we are healed. 
chastisement of our peace was upon him. He suffered in his body so that you and I could be whole and healed, free and delivered. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have made possible to us through the price that you paid in your body and with your body. Well, in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he blessed it. Father, may this cup be blessed. May this cup be blessed, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that this cup, this juice that we are about to drink represents your blood. Blood that was without spot and without blemish. You, Jesus, are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. No longer are our sins just covered up, but they are gone. They have been removed. They have been washed away. And your blood was the only blood that had the power to do that because it was sinless, spotless, perfect blood. And we don't enter into this moment without fear and reverence because we know that to drink of this cup and to continually and intentionally remain in our sin is to trample the blood of Jesus under our feet. So right now, Holy Spirit, shine your light upon our hearts. May we evaluate and examine ourselves as we take this cup today. And if there, are, if there is any unconfessed sin in our heart, if there's any anger, if there's any bitterness, if there's any unforgiveness, Lord, you said to leave our gift at the altar and then go make things right and come back and present our gift. So Father, I pray that right now that you would do a work in each and every one of our hearts. Forgive us of our bitterness, our anger, our resentment, our strife. Forgive us for our lack of discipline in the words that we speak and the thoughts that we think. Forgive us, Lord, for our impure thoughts and our impure deeds, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for our neglect of spending more time with you, getting to know you through prayer, through your word. God, as we prepare ourselves to go into 2017, we want to do it as holy people, holy, righteous before you, God, so that you might be able to do the work through us that you long to do through us. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together today. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. 
Thank you for redemption. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life today, Lord. It's possible and only possible through a relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that because of you, we can be saved, healed, delivered. We thank you, Lord, that he who began a good work in us will continue that work until the day that it is completed. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us, but for continually working with us and being patient with us as you sanctify us in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Jesus, we just thank you for the work that is being done in our lives so that we might be conformed more into your image. We thank you, Lord, that you've made it possible through your blood. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's sing this again. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul. I am yours. I am forever yours. Love came down. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul. time just give the Lord praise that he who was rich became poor so that we could become rich thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hon would you come up hon would you come up here with me before you go today we just want you to know how much we love every single one of you we consider ourselves the most blessed people on the face of the earth that God would entrust us with this place. I am full of anticipation and expectation about what God is going to do for us in the coming year. Now, I know that this is one of those unusual years where both Christmas and New Year's Day is on a Sunday. And some people would think how inconvenient, but I would think how awesome that we get to come together on the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ and have a worship experience like this. And not only that, but to begin a new year in the Lord's house together 
You know, they say the way you begin your year is how your year will continue and end. So I strongly encourage you to be here on that first Sunday because chances are if you're here that first Sunday, we're going to see you regularly throughout 2017. And the Lord has already put a word in my heart that I'm going to be sharing next week as we kick off 2017 that I think is going to help all of us put a plan together to make 2017 the best, most blessed, productive year of our lives. Not just as individuals, but as a body of Christ. And I'm excited about what God's going to do next Sunday. We do not have Sunday school, just a worship service. So come and let's just encounter the Lord together and kick off the new year the best way that we can kick it off. Amen. We love you. Merry Christmas and have a happy, happy new year. Amen. You are dismissed.